Good morning. Beautiful day here in Lake Havasu City. Our Holy Gospel is from the 10th chapter of John. Glory to you, O Lord. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out, all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever come before me were all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to pray with me the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together today. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Perhaps a good place to start today is to simply give you a bit of context for this passage before us. These verses in John 10 are actually a continuation of Jesus' encounter with the man who was born blind. Do you remember that story? Do you remember we preached on that, oh, maybe uh, six, seven weeks ago during the season of Lent? If you recall, the man who was born blind, he was healed by Jesus, and his sight was restored. And then after that, there was this very long, drawn-out conversation that was happening between this blind man and the Pharisees and the blind man's parents and the Pharisees and blah, 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 you know, just a lot of conversation. And in this exchange, this blind man, he found himself in this debate, and these Pharisees, they were trying to discredit him. And not only were they trying to discredit him, but they were also trying to discredit Jesus for healing him of his blindness. Now, to make a long story short, I'm going to get through this very quickly. The man who received his sight was eventually thrown out of the temple. But that's when Jesus sought him out and had this conversation with him. And Jesus revealed to him and said, Do you know who the Son of Man is? 
And the blind man said, no, I don't. And Jesus says, I am he standing before you. And it was at that point that the blind man who had had his sight restored, he came to have belief in Jesus. Now what follows that is kind of interesting because Jesus makes a couple of comments that are perhaps a little bit offensive, especially to the Pharisees. He says, he says I came into the world in order that those who do not see will see and that those who do see will become blind. Now some of the Pharisees overheard this And so they asked Jesus, they said, we aren't blind too, are we? And Jesus, and this is is where they, they take a little bit of offense, I think Jesus says, if you were blind, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. Now, we often think that that's where this little encounter this little conversation piece just kind of ends and we move into another vignette we move into another scene we move into another uh, encounter that Jesus has with somebody else but no that's not the case this is exactly where our passage picks up today okay so this is a con- continuing conversation between you know the Pharisees and Jesus this is where things get interesting because Jesus then starts what we call, in in the biblical scholars, call this section. You see, the Gospel of John, the way the Gospel of John oftentimes happens is that you have this kind of this progression of things that happen. And one of the things that happens in the Gospel of John is that Jesus does either a sign or he does a miracle. And usually when there's a sign or a miracle that happens in in the Gospel of John, Then there's this dialogue that happens afterwards. And then after the dialogue comes what they call a period of teaching. And so this is the pattern that we have today. Is that we have this sign, Jesus heals a guy of his blindness. And then there's this dialogue between the Pharisees and this guy and the Pharisees and the guy's parents. And then comes this section now called the teaching or the discourse. Interesting stuff, isn't it? We're learning something about how John, the Gospel of John, was kind of formulated and structured. And the interesting thing is is that Jesus starts this whole entire teaching thing off with what he calls it, we call a double affirmation. Basically, he says, Amen, Amen. Or, another way of saying it is, this is most certainly true, it most certainly is. The things that are now going to be coming out of my mouth are most certainly true. They certainly will be true. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Anyone who doesn't enter by the sheep door but climbs in by another way is a thief and a robber. Now we know that Jesus had this captive audience. He had the Pharisees. He had the blind man who had his his eyes restored. He had the disciples there. And there were probably several other people around. So he had a very uh, captive audience and in, this, and in this very short 10 verses, Jesus actually uses what we call two figures of speech. Number one, he says, I am the shepherd. I am the shepherd who enters by the gate. But then, a few verses later, because it says he spoke these things, but they didn't understand him. 
So then Jesus says, and he uses another figure of speech, and he says, I am the gate, and anyone who enters by me will be saved. I mean, almost kind of makes things a little bit more confusing, doesn't it? First he says he's the shepherd that enters by the gate, and then he says he's the gate, and that anybody but who enters by, by the gate is saved. Kind of confusing, almost, almost ambiguous in a certain sense. And yet, one of the things I think we need to, when, when you read this passage, one of the things I think we need to do is you, you need to take those two as separate, separate pieces. Don't try to combine them. And I think that's the confusion that most of us have when we read this section or have this reading, is that we, we kind of sit there and go, huh? How can you be the shepherd who enters by the gate, but then you're also the gate who, and it says anybody who enters by the gate is saved? It's like, how can we put those two together and meld them? Well, we're not supposed to, okay? Because they stand alone. And each of them has their own meaning. Both of the figures of speech should not be brought together. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. I'm going to explain that a little bit more. Uh, in just a few minutes. But one of the things that stood out for me in this figure of speech, sometimes called a metaphor, of Jesus being the shepherd who enters by the gate, is that he goes on and he says, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls them by name and he leads them out. And not only does he lead them out, but Jesus says, I go ahead of them and they follow me. Because they recognize my voice. Back during Jesus' day, back in the time, even today, it's, it's even a very common practice today. And it's been around for 2,000 years. These people who have these flocks of sheep. If you were to go over to Israel or to Palestine today, it would be a very common practice for various flocks of sheep to be mingled and mixed together. It was a very common practice. And yet when it came time for the shepherds to take their own flocks out into the pasture, each and every shepherd had their own unique call, their own unique sound that was distinct that they uttered to get attention for their sheep. So, you know, I mean, it's back on the, you know, those of us who grew up back on the farm, you know, and we were calling in the pigs, Suey! Suey! Anybody remember that? Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same thing, you know. Every shepherd had their own distinct call, their own distinct voice. And the shepherd knew it. The sheep, I'm sorry, the sheep knew that voice. And when they heard it, they followed it. You know, the question I have is, and I'm trying to bring this now into our today context. You've got a sense of what the context was back then. My question is, as I think about what does that mean for us today? And the question that I have for myself and for you, and for anybody out there who's listening, and I wish the whole darn country was listening, the question I have is, what voice do you and I respond to today? What voice do you and I follow today? I think that's a pretty darn important question. 
It's probably one of the most important questions that we need to be asking ourselves today. What voice do we listen to? On any given day in Lake Havasu City, on Sunday morning, on any given Sunday, 10% of the people of Lake Havasu are in a church pew. 10%. What are the other 95% of the people in Lake Havasu, what are they listening to? What is the voice that they are listening to? You know, this world is filled with a lot of voices. And they are everywhere. They're on our TV, they're on the radio, they are on our cell phones, they're on our Facebook pages, they're on TikTok, they're on Instagram. We've got voices all over the place and they are bombarding us every single day. And what I feel most uncomfortable with as a human being, as a United States citizen, as a pastor, as a Christian, the thing that I feel most uncomfortable with is that a lot of those voices out there, they are chaotic, they are distrustful, and they are outright fanatical. And the voices that seem to be speaking, that seem to be getting the most attention, are the ones that, are the ones that speak absolute nonsense. And yet people are being convinced that those are the voices that are right. People are being persuaded, and in a certain sense they are being manipulated into thinking and believing that these people should be listened to and that they should be followed. And these kinds of things have been happening for centuries. It's nothing new, folks. There's been voices out there ever since the time of Jesus. And they're all out there vying for attention. Probably one of the most obvious ones that any of us can think of that we all know about because it's a part of our actual life history is Hitler. Hitler is a great example of a chaotic, fanatic voice. And yet he influenced millions. He influenced millions. And they were willing to go to war because of what he said. And not only were they willing to go to war, they were willing and able and attempted to eradicate a race of people with mass genocide because of the voice of one man. You know, even during the time of Martin Luther, way back in 1500, okay, let's go back 500 plus years. Back during the time of Martin Luther, there was a man by the name of John Tetzel. T-E-T-Z-E-L. And he kind of got the ire of Martin Luther riled up. And the reason why he got the ire of Martin Luther riled up is because of his outrageous claims for the sale of Catholic indulgences. You see, one of the things that John Tetzel understood about human nature is he said, you know, most of those people out there that I'm talking to, they're illiterate, they're basically dumb people because they don't have the ability to have their own common sense of logic because they're not educated. See, that's the part of German history, is that before the printing press, and before there was actually good education, most people were illiterate. And the people who were in power knew that those people were illiterate, and they would follow anything. And so the Catholic Church devised this wonderful thing called indulgences. Hey, we can raise some money. And we can raise some money by instilling fear into the lives of these people. Well, what's the greatest thing that people fear? Well, they fear death. Well, what should we do? Let's instill some more fear in them. How about their loved ones? When their loved one goes on, we're going to say, oh, well, hey, they're going to spend time in purgatory. And they don't get out of purgatory unless, well, you know, something's got to happen. 
Well, hey, we'll create something. We'll create indulgences. We'll say, hey, you give us some money, you throw some money into the coffers, and that's going to free your loved ones from their casket, and they're going to be freed to go to heaven. That's what happened back in 1500s. And this was John Tetzel's ring-a-ding-ding phrase. He's got all these people's attention out there, and he's put all this fear of God into them. All your loved ones are in purgatory, and they're stuck there, and they're not going to go anywhere because, but I have a way to release them. Take some of your gold coins and toss them into this little bucket over here, and their spirits will be released. And this is the chime that he said. He says, as soon as the gold in the casket rings, the rescued soul to heaven springs. And yet people believed him. People believed him. They were gullible. They believed him, and they took the coins out of their pockets, and they said, here you go. The world is filled with thieves and robbers, just in their message alone. I want to get back to this whole figure of speech thing for a second. You see, the reason why we shouldn't get ourselves too wrapped up and too confused about the fact that Jesus uses these two metaphors, these two figures of speech in the context of very short period of time within these 10 verses is because Jesus does it all the time, okay? All you got to do is look in the Gospel of John between chapters 6 and chapters 15, and within the context of chapters 6 and chapter 15, Jesus uses all kinds of figures of speech. He uses all kinds of I am statements. And I'm going to give you an example of some of the I am statements and now you get the picture, okay? Don't get yourself all wrapped up in the fact that Jesus says, I am the shepherd, and then a few, time, few, few moments later he says, I'm the gate. Don't get yourself all wrapped up about that stuff because Jesus does it all the time. He starts off, what is, Jesus says in chapter 6, I am the bread of life, okay? Then later on in chapter 6, he says, I am the living bread. Then in chapter 8 he goes on and says, I am the light of the world, in chapter 10, he says, I am the Son of God. In chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. And then, of course, we have those, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. So don't get yourself all wrapped up and don't get yourself all confused when Jesus uses these metaphors because he's, he's simply using another, another tool to try and get us to understand who he is and why he came. And everything that I have come to know and to realize in my life, and it's taken me and me a while to get there, just as it has for all of us, but the one thing that I have come to realize and come to know about Jesus is that his purpose, his purpose was to bring the very presence of God into the world through his life. Jesus was and is the very presence of God. He came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. God became one of us as human beings, and his purpose was to bring the presence of the world through his life. What has the voice of Jesus spoken to you throughout your life? I want you to think about that today. I want you to think about that this week. If you're using that notepad, write that question down. What has the voice of Jesus spoken to you throughout your life? So I'm going to ask you another question. Have you ever heard Jesus say, this sounds like something Jesus would say, right? Here's Jesus. Let's put up a wall. Let life be about putting up barriers. Let's do everything in life 
to see what we can do to divide ourselves. Let us be divisive. Have you ever heard Jesus say, let us do everything in our power as people of faith to isolate ourselves from those who are not like us? Is that the voice that Jesus uses? What has the voice of Jesus spoken to you in your life? What voice are you listening to? The voice that has spoken to me in my life that I have heard, that I have heard Jesus speaking directly to me. The voice that I have heard speaking to me is Jesus saying things like this. In your baptism, Craig, I called you by name. And in your baptism, Craig, I claim you as my own. You are mine. You are a child of God. Jesus calls me by name. Jesus calls you by name and says you are a child of God. You are mine. The Jesus that I have heard in my, vo in my life is the Jesus who says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. The voice that I have heard from Jesus in my life is a voice that has said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You should also love one another. I've heard Jesus say that I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. And because of that, you are my friend. I've heard Jesus say, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. I've heard Jesus love people through his acts of kindness and compassion and empathy and healing. And I've heard Jesus say, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. This passage before us today, it is as relevant as it was 2,000 years ago. The voices and the faces, they've, they've all changed over the last 2,000 years. But the reality is those thieves and those robbers are still clamoring for us to listen to them. And yet, Jesus is calling us today. Jesus is saying that he is the voice that we are to listen to. The voice that calls us by name the voice that is out there in front of us, leading us, protecting us, leading us to pastures where we are fed, where we are loved, where we are forgiven. He says, so that we could have life, that we might have life abundantly. And when we receive that, and when we authentically receive that, we in turn, we in turn, take that same love, that same forgiveness, that same grace, and we take that with us out into our everyday lives, where we are called, where we are invited to have in our lives every single moment that we live, when we walk out this door, because we're listening to the voice of Jesus, we go out this door with a Jesus perspective, and that we are an agent, that we are a vessel of his love and his grace in the world. And not only has Jesus called us to a lifestyle, but he's literally called us to a life. A life that practices love and forgiveness and grace. And all of those other attributes that Jesus shared with us in his life. Jesus' word to us today is listen. Listen for the voice of the shepherd. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.
I invite you to pray now the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.